When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think it's a film that's been kind of dismissed as a bit of titillating fluff for quite a long time, but it's actually quite an unassuming and funny film that pushes at doors that a lot of romance mainstream movies wouldn't dare to. I've seen this film many times and if anything it gets more interesting the more I see it and there's something about Jennifer Grey's performance and her self-discovery that I find really uplifting and also what Penny goes through in the film, the fact that you see her at the end having gone through all that, dancing with everyone at the end and I think that that's a really kind of consoling message and yeah it's just a really life-affirming movie. Hello, film fans. Joining Flixwatch today, we have Kat. Hi. Rich. Hello. And as always, Kobe. Hello. And we're here to have the time of our lives with Dirty Dancing. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today we have Kat and Rich. If you could please say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do please. My name is Rich Nelson. Uh, I did the Betamax Video Club podcast and now the Don't You Want Me podcast with Kat. <laughs> How's it going with Don't You Want Me podcast? You said Betamax Video, you've come on here before um, talking about Coming to America and another film. I can't remember what that was. It was the, um, um, I lost my hand. It was, lost my body. Oh, it was lost a my hand. Body. Lost my body. It was a hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Yes. We. We. Um. Yeah. I did. Um. I can't remember how many episodes of Beatmax Video Club we did, including Dirty Dancing. Which so it was a uh, nice to to watch it again because I think uh, as as we'll discuss, it's one of those that I found surprisingly enjoyable as an adult man and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was. Um, and now we, we're doing a podcast called Don't You Want Me, which is about relationships in movies. So romantic, platonic. Uh, we haven't got on to family relationships yet, but I'm sure that will be coming in due course. Mm. Well, first of all, one thing you should say is Helen is wearing a Kellerman's T-shirt, uh, which is probably oh, already it. leaning into her scores for this, guys. Um, say your predictions now for this. But already disclaimers, Rich, about liking it as an adult man. I don't. I don't know. Is is that? Why do you feel you had to put those those guardrails up? Well, no. I think it's almost like the way the film is marketed, mm. and the way it's perceived is that it's a chick flick, and again, it's completely not that at all. And yet, that's how the perception of the film is: is that oh, it's a chick flick. It's what groups of hen knights go to and and 
girls, you know, and, and it's one of those. But then when you watch it and when you boil down to everything within the film, underneath the surface, there's so many themes about class and all these things about stuff that you don't expect. You just expect it to be like a happy chap sing-along where everyone's happy in a holiday camp and dancing away. And there's all these stories within. And, and it's really deep and the stuff the the places it goes to the kind of things you don't you wouldn't expect from the a film you'd see programmed on channel five at two o'clock on a sunday afternoon when it's raining outside i mean you couldn't even show this at two o'clock on a sunday afternoon could you it's a themes thematically is quite much sexy dancing oh no it's channel five though oh fair enough loose morals uh cat (laughs) who are you uh, my name's Catherine Lowe. I'm one half of Don't You Want Me podcast. And one thing I also really like to do is bang on about popular music and how it's used in film and performance. I've talked to Rich on his Betamax Video Club podcast about Purple Rain. I talked to Petros, who I know who's been on here too, mm-hmm. um, on his Coppola Connections podcast about Saturday Night Fever. And I've also guested on the podcast Head Ballet and Look Some Familiar talking about pop obscurities. So I'm very much a pop geek, which kind of feeds into this magnificent film we're going to talk about today. Already the guys put their hearts on their sleeves with this. <laughs> One of my first notes in my notes is soundtrack of bangers. <laughs> <laughs> I've never actually listened to soundtrack in isolation, I don't think. What? <laughs> I've, I, used, I used to work in a music shop, remember them kids, and... <laughs> Uh, we used to we used to have the soundtrack on like special offer, and we just used to sell like stacks of it every Saturday to the point where I was like, people surely must have the soundtrack by now. But no, people would keep coming. Is that that scene in High Fidelity where they say, "I'm going to sell like 15 copies of um, exactly that"? Yeah, except <laughs> obviously not quite as cool because it's me singing hungry eyes and selling <laughs> 10 copies the beta band that's what it is in reality. Oh, i would not be able to sleep tonight uh cat can you tell us why you chose dirty dancing and then i'm going to get the time ta- i'm going to get the countdown timer up uh in which you'll have 60 seconds or fewer to give us the synopsis okay well i chose this for reasons that we've already gone into um i'm very into films that use music well and um most movies would be lucky to have one musical sequence that's stuck in the public's consciousness this one has about five we credit people like tarantino for being very particular about what kind of music he uses in his films and elena bergstein did that with this film she sent out the scripts to producers with a tape and was really specific about which songs she wanted even though they were a nightmare to get the licensing rights to and as we've also gone into i think it's a film that's been kind of dismissed as a bit of titillating fluff for quite a long time but it's actually quite an unassuming and funny film that pushes at doors that a lot of romance Mm. mainstream movies wouldn't dare to okay and your timer starts now Baby is on her way to the Catskills with her family reading a book called Plight of the Peasant in the back of the car, but with some denim short shorts secreted in her suitcase. At this holiday camp she's made to do underwhelming (laughs) (laughs) At this holiday camp she's made to do underwhelming old fashioned activities such as being sawed in half and given chickens by Newman from Seinfeld. One night, Kellerman's worker and overlooked potential suitor, Billy, sneaks her into the staff cabin where she meets the open-shirted Johnny and his brilliant dance partner, Penny, who went on to inspire Richard Marx's 80s power ballad, Right Here Waiting. This night of hip rolling leads to an education for Baby over the following weeks. Things will never be the same again for her, for her family, for dance montages, for the staff at Kellerman's resort, or for, indeed, America. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I I interrupted and interjected. I apologize for that. Not that was uh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Um, she did wear hot pants. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I, I'm sure I dismissed it as fluff back, you know, when I was an, an immature. And I think the thing that turned me around to it was reading the Hadley Freeman book, which I can't remember the top mm. of my head now. Life moves pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. And she was talking about the storyline of the of the abortion. And I'm sure when I when I first watched this, maybe like 12, that's probably the kind of thing that completely went over my head. I didn't understand anything that was going on in that in that kind of storyline. But like you say, the dismissiveness of the rich versus the poor, you know, upstairs, downstairs, the classism, and also this, I, I, don't, I can't remember if it was, or clearly uh, abortion wasn't legal in the, in the States at that time. But that kind of underpinning this story is, is insane and leading into, you know, babies, just pure hearted desire to help people, no matter who they are and where they were, is kind of, it's, it's perhaps the most endearing part of the story for me, rather than the the romance between her and Johnny. I almost wish it wasn't really romance, it was just a friendship rather than, you know, them get, getting together and hooking up. I don't know, is, is that a fair point? I, th- I think their relationship for me is probably like the weakest part of the the, the film that I kind of you kind of think that like maybe Johnny should end up with someone like Penny because it kind of feels like they were like oh how do we end this let's make them like together because they had chemistry when they're dancing so that must mean they're going to work out in real life and it, it it's kind of like the least interesting part for me about it I think what was the what's the kind of perceived age difference between Johnny and baby in this as well yeah th- that's the that's something that's interesting because I think that there isn't necessarily meant to be a huge age difference but I think that when you're introduced to it I was introduced to it when I was probably about nine by my my friend in in her folks house I think I can remember having a moment where I thought oh but he you know he's he's a bit old isn't he I mean I thought that at the time (laughs) um maybe it's just because he's he's streetwise and she's not yet oh no well they were teenagers together in was it Red Dawn they were both in and I think they like on the set of that they really didn't get on i think he didn't like her and that kind of carried over a little bit into this so i don't know what the real life age difference was but he definitely with the leather jacket and all the the swagger mm. he had i mean we we talked on we talked about point break and about this just swayze as pure sex charisma that's like he's the anti rick mail in bottom isn't he and he's just swaggering around and has just <laughs> swept her off her feet and but she again is made to look younger probably than mm. she is so i think it kind of works both ways yeah and also i think it actually it does actually work in terms of um redressing the power balance because maybe if they look too similar um ages then the, the fact that he has a bit of experience on her gives him that authority when he's teaching her to dance i think so i think it does actually work okay okay i mean it's no manhattan uh woody allen and 17 year old uh so that's um I was, I'm prepared to move past it. Plus also Baby does very much have her own agency in this and she does drive a lot of plot, um, which is always great to, to kind of see. I mean, we talked about Swayze briefly, but and we've had Swayze on in um, Roadhouse. Roadhouse. And Ghost. And yes. Ghost. Is, is there a peak Swayze film? Is he not never not good? I've never seen Red Dawn. Um, but what, what, is your, what is your Swayze go-to film? Um, I'm kind of sitting between Roadhouse and Point Break. Uh, again, being more of a an action thing, but you can see how good he is in this, and and he does once you sort of drill into to his insecurities and and his issues about essentially being used by 
the sort of married women. I mean, this film is essentially set in the hotel from The Shining, but Butlins, and <laughs> he's getting basically having all these women throwing themselves at him constantly because he's sex swayzy. But it's um once he gets down to that about how he grew up on the streets and having nothing and seeing what baby does and you know as as we see towards the end when she in his eyes redeems herself by telling her dad that they've been intimate and i think how he does that it's quite easy to go i had nothing and it all comes across as a little bit bland but he does kind of show that he is insecure around himself and they underneath the the swagger that there is a a little boy just desperate to get out cat have you got a peak swayze film i i think it's between between this and point break i think his performance in point break is really interesting he makes a brilliantly complex villain in that and even in point break they give him a little bit of um you know the bit where he's jumping out of the plane he's doing somersaults in the air you get to see a little bit of his balletic skills there as you do here as well so i really yeah it's between this and point break i think for me i'm guessing point break for you helen um i might make a case for donnie darko like i think Mm -hmm. he's like brilliant in donnie darko um really kind of manages to play the character like spectacularly well um i mean i was i'm quite late to dirty dancing i saw it when i was a, a teenager but i'd already seen Pulp Fiction before then and was more into kind of violence and horror and, and science fiction and it's kind of like watched and it dancing, with my yeah. friend and I was a bit like mm, it's kind of all right like it's it's kind of fine don't really fancy Patrick Swayze and then it's not wasn't really until um I worked at Secret Cinema on the one of the earlier productions of Dirty Dancing which is where I got my tea and um just kind of seeing I think it was seeing fans' enthusiasm for it and mm. that that production and watching it many times in a row that really I was like, oh, okay, yeah, there's a lot more going to it than maybe maybe I I, I first snubbed as a teenager. So um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I put a shout out for Donnie Darko. I think that the character he plays there is is not in it for long, but it's definitely impactful. But I think we, I think we, I've only watched Roadhouse once, and I thought it was fucking hilarious and brilliant and oh, insane. Um, but also Ghost, I can't. Yeah, I, I find it. I'm Point Break. Nah, I'm not going to answer yeah. that question. Because it's too, too many, too well, many that's, hits. Too many. That's the thing about this and Point Break is that they're both very much. Even though this isn't directed by a woman, they're both very much female gaze mm-hmm. movies, and people talk about them in that way. And it is true in 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 this film. That's why I think. Um, baby still does feel as if she has the power as well as the narrative that they give her is because the camera kind of lingers on him um, much more than than it does on her so you sort of see it through her eyes don't you yeah absolutely the darker underpinnings of this film like say when you guys first watched it did you understand what was going on with the like the abortion storyline and and what was playing out there or i didn't see this film till i was probably in my mid-twenties oh okay so, yeah. And, yeah, and even then, I I kind of dismissed it because if I'm trying to remember rightly, this makes me sound like Joey. Um, this girl suggested I watch it, and it was her favourite film. And, and I, being the grumpy cynic, was like, oh yeah, yeah, and and didn't really pay attention. And it was only later on when I read the same book by by Hadley Freeman and kind mm. of actually fought beyond all that and 
um, you know, actually sit there and pay attention. And and it was surprising because again, I, I was kind of suckered in, almost uh, suckered away by the, the marketing of the film. And it does, you know, it's all the writings in pink and it's all people dancing all sexy and all that stuff not the sort of stuff i normally go for because i like roadhouse and unless uh, johnny rips robbie's throat out of his neck which he did in roadhouse that uh, you know that yes i i'd go for that every time but this was um I think this, when you go into that and you kind of think the way it's so subtly done as well, the, the way the dad is, you know, he's, he's a nice guy. He's a doctor, but he's judging as well. He judges mm. Johnny because he assumes because of the manner is scum. Yeah. That Johnny's scum and that Johnny knocked Penny up and has left her. And as he said, who's responsible for this girl. And the fact that because uh, Robbie who actually has done it has supposed aspirations to be a doctor like him, he's kind of, Oh, but I wouldn't mail. He's nice. Give him a big fat check. And there's other things. Well, you know, the way that Robbie tries to, you know, he's just as much of a shagger as anyone else. He's going, he's trying on with baby's sister and the, the lady that accuses Swayze of nicking the wallet. It's, you know, there's so many layers to this film that you kind of need to sit there and pay attention to. And it's difficult because there is so much there and it is covered in fluff yeah. because that's the way it's presented in many ways. Um, but yeah, so it, you do have to kind of look for it if you're not already there. Robbie is the true villain of this, oh, of this whole piece. Pure evil. Another way in which you can read it, I think, after you've seen it a few times, is that it's like a, a film about the human body and everything it's capable of, but also the ways in which we're all kind of vulnerable. Like, you know, you have you can learn to dance if you want, but then if you get involved with someone like Robbie, you could end up, you know, in a state and kind of need need Dr. Houseman to come and help you out and things, you know, it's um and then also the thing of him of Johnny lifting baby above his head, sort of supporting her physically in that way. I don't know. There's there's all of these interesting themes going on in it. I like it. I like your thought pattern there. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it's it's very interesting because they they never, I don't think they even mentioned that she's pregnant. I think the, the, the choice of kind of words and what mm. they don't say is really interesting and it's all very kind of hush-hush. So I guess if you're watching it maybe when you're younger it's it's not explicit it's only certain things are sort of implied mm. you're, you're not kind of going to know what they're implying or what they're kind of like code or sort of things they say so I, th I think maybe that was a kind of way that they got around being able to make the film because if they yeah. sort of said you know oh, this is a film about an abortion gone bad, but with some sexy dancing. <laughs> Studios would have gone, absolutely not. Yeah. You're not doing that. Whereas they've gone, sexy dancing, but abortion. Yeah. And that's kind of how they managed to, to get away with being able to tell the story. In I hope that was... I hope that's how they did the pitch there. Um, <laughs> the, uh, using that kind of sing-songy uh, the delivery that you just did there. There's there's a really good TV series on... A documentary series on... Um, on Netflix called uh, the movies that made us and I do it spent 45 minutes on this and it's, I can't remember the ins and outs of it, but it's, it's a lot of fun. A uh, very, very cheesy way to show a documentary, but um, the story behind dirty dancing is quite, is quite in depth. Is uh, that like the way that they in taken, they never use the word kidnapped. They always say, taken. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like this is a film about kidnapping and sex trafficking and all this stuff. They never use the word kidnapping. It's all taken. And it's just, it's that, as long as you present it in the, with the right word, I guess a film called Kidnap, it's a bit too obvious. 
Well, guys, let's get to the dancing part of this. Helen said sexy dancing. Was it sexy dancing? Yeah. Um, like there's more the... of an accent there, wasn't there? <laughs> sexy dancing. Like the... Um... Like when Baby gets into the 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 club, the the secret staff club, and she sees what they're up to, and they're dancing that they're doing, and they're all sweaty, and there's people of colour dancing, and it's like oh, things are happening in here. Everyone's got cool hair, everyone just looks awesome and sweaty, and they all know the moves. Some of that awkward bit where you're trying to dance someone, and you're doing one dance, they're doing the other. Everyone's just cool. <laughs> I think you have to set there, remind yourselves that this is set in the 60s, I guess. If I walked into that club and people grinding like that, I'd be like, oh, it's a bit gross. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not interesting. Uh, but obviously in the backdrop of um, a very much you know, waspy, waspy background, that is super, it's like, it's like a bee to honey for her, isn't it? Yeah, and they do a similar thing in that scene, I think, to what they do in the crowd scenes in a film like Purple Rain and... Uh, Saturday Night Fever where they got they clearly got people that looked like real people they didn't just get a sort mm. of a load of models to to dance and that really adds to the texture of that scene I think you know they've got some really charismatic couples dancing that um kind of almost steal the scene actually you can really sort of you know think of them in your mind's eye and I think that song you know Do You Love Me by The Contours is just such a great record and that's you just hear it so much now and it, you know it's because of that scene I think that it's really sort of you know, made sure that it, you always hear it don't you if you go to any nostalgia nights. I think I like the way you're obviously picking up uh, Saturday Night Fever. Purple Rain is still a film I haven't seen, much to my shame. But the it's always like the underclass, the lower classes are the ones that get up, spruced up for the weekend and get into a bit of, you know, sexy dancing on a Saturday night, isn't it? And Titanic? Yeah, yeah. possibly. Yeah. I'm not seeing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Irish sexy dancing. Is that what they do, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Upstairs, downstairs. Yeah, and... I mean, we've not we've not talked about it yet. There is obviously the um, the great set piece at the end, but then the 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 training montage as well and spaghetti mm. arms. Like, what are spaghetti arms? I've just got it in my notes. Like, <laughs> what are they? <laughs> this is my zone. This is your zone. I thought it was a really cool montage, actually. And is that the hungry eyes one. Mm. Yeah, like there's the scene where Patrick Swayze's sitting there on a cushion with his legs folded, just watching. Is it Penny and Baby? Just wearing pants, aren't they? They're wearing yeah. like pants and high heels and maybe leg warmers or something. But it's definitely like pants and high heels. And he's just sitting there like Vic Reeves rubbing his thighs. <laughs> yes, this is excellent. Excellent. Ladies. It is my birthday. Carry on. <laughs> we put a little crown on. Well, I really like that bit on the log, actually. Because um, that look, they did that for real. I, I don't know if they, they must have had crash mats and stuff there, but that's... I'm not sure you'd do that now, would you? Even even in a Marvel film. Be CGI'd. <laughs> I think Patrick Swayze was notorious for taking those kind of risks, as I think in Point Break they had to stop him from skydiving because he came, became addicted to it. So in the end, they the health and safety people had to say, you've got to just stop doing so much skydiving. And, oh, so, um, okay. And, and, and in this, I think he was similarly sort of fearless on the log or and then did injure him. So there's a few things that he did where he yeah pushed he, the boat out he, too much. He hurt his knee so much so that the final scene at the end, they, they weren't sure if he could do the jump off the stage. Yeah. That's another thing in the, in the movies that made us, they tell that story about uh, him doing the final slow thing. motion though, so it wouldn't have hurt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it, so it lands softly. Yeah. <sighs> what, what were your favourite dance scenes then in this? Oh, and, and songs. 
Um, God, I, I mean, I, I think of songs, and again, it's slightly off kilter. That um, P- baby sister, the one she sings, oh my God. the hula <laughs> one. I just the, the it's like one of those voices you hear in in your sleep in your dreams when they're being haunted. It's I mean, it's good that she's getting involved with. Um, Newman, you know, he's leading in his <laughs> his sort of. I know because someone had a Twitter poll around was it Newman or Nedry? Yeah, um, I did that on yeah my, yeah. my Instagram. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's what I mean. And yeah. I always think of him as Newman, but he's there with his sort of bad jokes. But you know, the way she really sells herself for that role, it's nice that you know. I mean, on these holiday camps, people do get involved. But um, yeah, that's that's the kind of song. I don't think that's going to be enticing too many people if you play that in your music shop, Helen. I don't think that'll be. Uh, getting people to buy the the tape or the 45 it was so weird that i thought the um again this is the 60s but people going on holiday to get involved in the in the shows and the cabarets the hell, just get, get me a sun get me a sun lounger <laughs> for forced fun yeah exactly i'd love the way the whole film the first thing that you hear with this film is the beginning of the Renettes be my baby you hear that lovely wall of sound production and that's so what a brilliant way to begin a film it's how all films should begin when <laughs> when scorsese does it it's it's art <laughs> exactly. and also um solomon burke's cry to me that you hear in the in the love scene i think is a really really brilliant record too and love man by otis redding also brilliant i mean we got to, no one's no one's talking time about of the, my life yeah exactly <laughs> Was that timely? Was that that was made for the film, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah. Was it made for the film? Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they were singing to a song from the future. Because so. <laughs> Swayze was singing, sorry, Johnny was singing it to Baby while they were dancing. So it wasn't well dubbed over the top. So it's uh, maybe he's from maybe he's Martin McFly. Layers upon layers upon layers. Yeah, but layers a good link though to the past is the fact that it's by um, Jennifer Warnes and Bill Medley, and Bill Medley was one and a half of the Righteous Brothers. So oh, was he? Yeah. So that kind of it is an eighties record, but it harks back to the period that it's. That is from. So your kids are going to anyway. love it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> The thing about this song is, if this comes on a wedding and you're not dancing, then you've got no heart or soul yeah, in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. And there's always someone, we'll do couples, that try and do the lifts at least. Come on. Normally, after a <laughs> Give few kebabs. Yeah. <laughs> you do, so there's videos of them. And it's always uh, outside of a town centre of a Saturday evening. <laughs> Landing face first. I'm sure I've tried the lift at one point. Uh, it's, it tried. The lift but it's a club bang and i love it when they come down the, it's, it's not an aisle but it is an aisle we're coming down with the kind of shoulder sways and hip sway led by patrick sways in pennies yeah. there the choreographer was oh. kenny ortega who did a lot of stuff with michael jackson and he did the um ferris bueller big routine and ferris bueller oh, and, and pretty and pink and yeah i did a yeah. whole load of stuff so, so you can really no, tell can kind of choreography is great yeah those those group that that particular scene in particular when they do that at um, secret cinema it is amazing and it's a really great experience to be in with all the dancing as well yeah have, have they done have they done it a couple of times at secret cinema uh, there's dancing they have yeah um and uh, i believe if 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 you've never seen dirty dancing in secret cinema that it's um been postponed to next year so i think if you're keen to experience it there are tickets available for next year it's, it's pretty much always outdoor and it is very much as you um, arrive at the camp and 
Um, it used to be if you brought a watermelon, you could get into the secret club. I don't know if they still do that, but people did turn up with watermelons and um, oh, get so into the secret staff club. So um, there's 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 lots of um, wonderful things if you're the ultimate fan to to go and experience. They were massive watermelons, aren't they? You don't you just don't get that. Well, no, not, not. You, you buy the little tubs of it now, don't you? It's all, it's all cut up already. So if you carry one of those, it's not really a feat. Even baby can carry on those. I do think that's a great line. It is a great line. I carry it is. Yeah. There are so many lines in it. Like I said, the cultural impact of this film is is massive. Um, is there anything else guys want to say before we head to the scores? Um, I, I did like the personification of Johnny having a sex hut. It's... <laughs> He, he doesn't have a chalet. He doesn't have a room or a, like a villa. He has a hut on the ground. And entertain the ladies. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's done up. It's, it's a rustic kind of style, I suppose. But, uh, I mean, I, I guess if you're Patrick Swayze, it, it doesn't matter where you could do it in a hut, in a tent. It doesn't matter. Ladies will love it. <laughs> um, right, guys, let's head to the scores. I'm Helen O'Hara, film journalist, author, and host of Women vs. Hollywood, a new podcast from the Stripped Media family. We're exploring the fall and rise of women in Hollywood from the silent era to the present day and into the future. Each episode, I'm joined by three or more special guests to discuss the challenges that women face in the film industry and look at what we can do to change the picture. We've got actors, directors, producers, writers, academics, film experts, you name it. They're all here to explain what's going on in Hollywood. Search for Women vs. Hollywood now, wherever you're listening to this, and come join us. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of the scores are out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish, and we will start with you, please, Kat, with your recommendability. Um, I'm going to give it a 3.5 because... It's quite hard to recommend Dirty Dancing to someone who hasn't seen it because it's one of those incredibly famous films where preconceptions about what it is completely drown out the reality. And as Rich has already touched on, a lot of people sort of dismiss it as trash that's kind of the fodder of hen nights and sleepovers. And I think the title can kind of, you know, mislead people as well. So um, as as brilliant as I think it is, then I'm going to give it a 3.5. 3.5. Okay. Rich, um, I'll go for three point five as well, but kind of from the flip side. I think you, th- there'll be some people who will avoid it, and and like the, but there are people that you kind of you almost need to tell them you need to see it, you need to look beyond that. And I think it, it might be a slightly harder sell, but I think people, more people would be rewarded for the story than might might think. So I think it might need a bit of a push, but I think a, a lot of people should see it. Helen? Um, God, I'm surprised with those scores. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go... Am I going to go... I'm going to go 4.5. Um, I think sort of the kind of cultural impact it's had and its influence on so many things is a reason enough to kind of convince someone that they should really kind of check it out and even just to sort of say, you know, this is Patrick Swayze at his peak and, you know, he is very much missed and the energy that he brings to it is fantastic. And, you know, this, we wouldn't have a key moment in Crazy Stupid Love if Dirty Dancing didn't exist. And, you know, the 
impact of its soundtrack. You know, it was like the first VHS to sell like millions and millions of copies. You know, it's just, it's had such a cultural impact. And if you're just like, oh, I don't want to watch it because it's got dancing. No, you should watch it because there's more going on. I'm going to even higher, 4.75. I'm, I'm very surprised that Cats and Rich here. Um, I think you should watch it. If you're of an age, you should watch it and put those preconceptions aside. And I, I can't think of many people wouldn't recommend it to. Uh, you know, even my parents used to love this film and, you know, they're quite conservative. So, um, yeah, watch it. Get over yourselves. Oh, one thing I wanted to say, we always talk about Patrick Swayze in this film, but yeah, Jennifer, Jennifer Grey, she was this in Ferris Bueller and she's done some other bits, but is there any else that's really come out of this? Obviously, we've got Newman stroke Wayne Knight stroke Nedry <laughs> uh, stroke guy from Basic Instinct stroke guy from Blind Spotting at the end. Is But yeah, he'll, he'll always be Newman or Nedry. Um, the director went on to do, um, he was the director of Sister Act and Free Men and a Little Lady. Oh. So, um, yeah, reasonable okay. TV. Reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, films with a strong female lead. He'd won an Oscar for um, making a documentary about ballet dancers before this. I think it really uh, shows, doesn't it? So, yeah. It does. Uh, repeat viewing score. Cat. Uh, five, definitely five. I've seen this film many times and if anything, it gets more interesting the more I see it. And there's something about Jennifer Grey's performance and her self-discovery that I find really uplifting. And also what Penny goes through in the film, the fact that you see her at the end, having mm. gone through all that, dancing with everyone at the end. And I think that that's a really kind of consoling message. And um, yeah, it's just a really life-affirming movie. Rich? Uh, I'll go for four. Um, I think if you're in the right frame of mind or, or you're looking, this would tick a lot of boxes. It wouldn't tick every box for me, but I think if if you're in the right, if you're after a particular kind of film where, you know, it's music or, or you know, that, that would, would work for me. I think um, it, it would rank highly in a certain t- category for me. Helen. Yeah, I'm going to go for four as well. Um, it's quite short. It's only an hour and 40 minutes. So um, I always think it's longer, but it's not. I think the because the songs are such bangers and they, they drive a lot of the, the story on, it keeps like, you can kind of in, enjoy the repeat viewing just for kind of a sing-along. I think a lot of people watched this after Patrick Swayze died for the first time. And I think that's when a lot of men watched it and were like, oh, that's actually quite good. For me, this will be a film where someone says to me, do you want to watch this dancing? And I'm like, yeah, why not? I don't think I'll ever consciously think I want to watch Dirty Dancing, but I think enough people will suggest it to me to say, I'm going to watch it many more times, hopefully before I die. Uh, let's go for a four. Let's go for a four. Small screen score. Cat. I, I'd give it a four because even though I know that it was absolutely massive on home video, I think it was the first, first VHS to sell over a million copies. And I very much associate it with with watching it in friends' houses and, and this, that, the other, I have mm. to say it really went up in my estimation when I saw it um, at an outdoor screening. I've seen two. I've seen one in London and one just outside Manchester. And the atmosphere, as Helen's already said, is absolutely incredible. It's really electric. People, you know, they they dance, they cheer, even the kind of the visceral hatred that, of Robbie that you feel from the crowd. You know, it's really all kind of quite moving. And Robbie um, and also Mr. Kellerman's son, who is also the worst. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, and also the, those outdoor scenes that we've talked about already, you notice, I think, on the big screen how beautiful they are. Like that lake lift, it's like something out mm. of a Merchant Ivory film or something when you see it on the big screen. It's really gorgeous. So, yeah, four. Uh, Rich? 
Um, I, I I give it a four. I, I think I can only imagine what it must have been like seeing on a big screen or surrounded by people. And, and this one, um, I think there are films, especially ones with music, where you feel if you're in a a crowd if there's a lot of people watching it if it's a a sing-along or or something like that at the prince charles cinema or something like that it would do really well but i I mean it it seems to work well on a tv because it's again it's not effects driven it's not cgi it's not you know he's actually on a log but it's um (laughs) and i i think it works well on the screen and you know it's that kind of one that you'd watch of an evening or of an afternoon it, it kind of sits there and i think it works well because it's almost like watching friends or something like hangover <laughs> Helen. yeah i'm I'm going to join the uh four club i think it's 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 absolutely fine to watch at home but if you have an opportunity to go to uh secret cinema presents or an outdoor screening then like it's so much fun like everyone is just singing and it's it's just brilliant to hear them really the songs really loud and have that uh, joint experience and like if you're thinking but I'm a man I can't go like go <laughs> because there was a guy who turned up with Johnny and he was ravaged by women so like if if you're thinking like I'm a guy I, I don't know if I should you. go or not just just go because you you will have the time of your life oh there you go oh. nice nice uh, nice segue um. If you want women to ravage you, wait until Secret Cinema presents Dirty Dancing and Dress Up, <laughs> dress up as Johnny. Kat, where was the, you said you saw this at an outside screening outside Manchester. Where was that? Um, it was near Macclesfield in Cheshire. It was, um, okay. oh, can't remember, uh, Stately Home, can't remember the name of the Stately Home. Off, um, but yeah, it was Future Cinema. It was a Future Cinema screening. Right. Yeah. Well, that's 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 near my neck of the woods. So I'm going to make sure oh, to try yeah. and look, look the area out. Definitely. Um yeah, give it. I'm gonna join a four party as well. Why not? I would. I think one place I would. I think would be really fun to watch this at would be at a secret cinema and yeah, doing all the dancing, going into different secret clubs and stuff like that. I think it would be really quite fun. Yeah, why not? I don't know. I need to listen to the soundtrack and know all the songs apart from Loverboy and um, Time of My Life. I think before going there. Uh, engagement score, cat. Five. I find it very hard <laughs> to walk away from this film once once I've started watching it. And I, I think they do a really good job of interspersing the nuggets of joy evenly all the way through this film. There's always like an era-defining scene just around the corner. And um <laughs> yeah, you really you really want to see it through once you're in. So uh Rich. I'll give it a four and a half because I think it, it, it you kind of want to see where it goes and you feel like it's one of those that despite the relationship between baby and Johnny seeming a little bit weird, you do want to see how, how do they do it? You know, you know, they're going to get together at the end. So like, what are the mechanisms going on here? And, and, and then also, you know, you want to see Robbie get his comeuppance. You want to see the doctor get proved wrong because you're a snob mate. And you want to see Johnny, be proved right at the end. You know, he, he's a good guy underneath all that baby oil. <laughs> it's not much baby oil because if he had baby oil, he'll, he'll just slip out. Of... He's too slippery. Yeah. Uh, that's how I saw it. <laughs> you saw it with baby oil. Uh... <laughs> Helen. It was interesting watching it this time in that the, the kind of the dance that they're training to do and it's all focused about comes quite early on. And then, mm. they do the dance and it's all it's like it's fine and stuff and then for me it kind of like oh it goes into like this kind of weird 
dip bit until it peaks back up in the end. And I'd kind of forgotten that. It was a bit like, oh, they do the dance, they do the dance, they do the dance. And then you're like, oh, like, what happens now? And then there's kind of other stuff. Um, so for that, I'm going to give it a four, I think, for engagement because I was ready to get into the bit where it goes back up and, and they do the dance properly and it and they do the lift and... Yeah. And that. Um, I was like, do the lift. Oh, they don't do it yet. Not yet. I'm going to go for four as well. And I think the it's almost as good for me, that final kind of dance scene as, you know, many a Marvel film, like the final act, you're kind of waiting for the big fight at the end. But in this case, the big fight is, is a, this dance number, um, which kind of rallies everyone. And you find that, like you say, Robbie gets, Robbie gets his comeuppance and, uh, Baby gets out the corner. Um, you know, all, all that kind of stuff happens in this kind of build-up, and you get the, you get the lift, and you get the shoulder shoulder strut down the down the aisle. And it's, and it's it's great. It's great fun. Yes, and that gives us an overall score of four point one seven one eight eight. Um, great. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well done, Dirty Dancing. Yeah, did well. It's, it's you guys. You guys. I know it could have been higher. It could have been higher with the recommendability for for. A I know. Film I think I misunderstood the uh, the criteria of recommendability. I thought you meant how oh, too easy. Late. It, yeah. No. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'm trying to think. <laughs> next, filled next, with next regret time, now. <laughs> normally, I go, go around saying, "Oh, you got to watch Rocky Four. But then Rocky Four is just dirty dancing, but with boxing gloves instead of mambo moves. You know, when Baby comes out the corner, Rocky comes out the corner. That's, that's how it works. It's uh, yeah. There's montages there. I'm, so, going to, I'm going to think on that analogy. I'm not sure. I don't know if there'll be a director's cut. <laughs> You've coming not convinced me, Rich. Sorry. I mean, Rocky IV is <laughs> one of the greatest films of all time. So maybe. Are you looking forward to the, the to the director's cut, the revisioning? I'm. I'm f- without the robot. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You take the robot out. Where's Paulie? You've taken him away. And uh, apparently, there's some. I, I'm going to go and see the film at the cinema, but they've uh, cut out some of Bridget Nielsen's scenes as well. And I suppose if you're in charge of removing your ex-wife from a film then, uh, yeah, take it, that opportunity. Rocky Four is like less than 90 minutes anyway, isn't it? So what, what are they doing? Um, well, he, he, there's a, about 40 minutes of new footage in there. It's mostly fight-based, okay. but I, I hope they haven't taken the music out. I mean, they've taken the robot, and there's a bit more reason for why he's doing it rather than just, I have to. I think there's a little bit more subplot as to why he goes to Russia. And, and I mean, it's a Christmas film after all because he fights him on Christmas Day, so... And the robot does have a Santa hat on, if I'm not mistaken. Well, thank you very much, guys, for joining us. Uh, Rich, coming back again. Kat, you'll have to come back again uh, whenever you want to. Oh, um, to. Please do sign off by telling everyone where they can find you online. And of course, mainly, Don't You Want Me Podcast. Uh, so Don't You Want Me Podcast is at DYWM Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can find me at Kitty Costanza on Twitter as well and on Instagram. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Betamax Pod, normally tweeting uh, tenuous links to 80s movies, things about James, James Bond. And basically, a, a, it's become a glorified nostalgia site now, but uh, I'm not quite at the stage of, oh, don't you remember these old video things? <laughs> oh, just a final question before we go. Um, a quick round. Are you Newman or Nedry for Wayne Knight? Uh, Helen? Nedry. <laughs> Rich? Always Newman. Cat. Definitely Newman. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a Newman for me too. Uh, thank you very much, guys. We'll see you later. Bye. Thank Bye. you very Bye. much. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye.
enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher podcast why not leave us a five-star review on itunes you can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on instagram Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.